Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester, and we are in the uh, Freeman Studios here on Monday after the Blue Gold game. And spring is officially over. Beautiful day in Notre Dame Stadium, approaching 30,000 fans. And it was, uh, despite all the construction going around, uh, going along around the stadium, um, really, really a, a great day uh, for fans. And I don't know, as usual, I don't know how enlightening the Blue Gold game is. It isn't very enlightening. It's not as enlightening as, as some of the stuff that we see in the weeks prior to that. But, uh, you know, individually, guys, who, do you, who, who stands out to you? Maybe some big picture stuff here, too. Uh, Tyler Newsom was awesome. He really uh, was, wasn't he? Was awesome. the, nobody, and I think in our Blue Gold Game MVP prognostications, nobody went with a no, punter. I, I Probably wasn't. for good reason, but... Uh, I know they're going to punt. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, got things that stood out to me, um, Zaire and Kaiser are pretty much exactly what we thought they would be. Uh, I thought that the defense was fairly fundamentally sound to the naked eye, which would be... a you know, really a change from last year. Um, I think they've got some guys who made pretty good spring jumps. Niles Morgan would probably be first on my list. Um, and I, I think they've just got a lot of nice pieces to work with. How they all fit together in the fall, I don't know. I don't think Brian Kelly knows either. And that, that really is, that's the thing that, that's the theme that runs throughout the whole program right now. It's like, how is this all going to come together in the fall? And Brian Kelly, I think it was interesting to me, he said, when I asked him about leadership in the offseason, said, you know, hey, May, June, July, coaches need to get out of the way and let some of these, Isaac Rochelle, James Arnold, and then two minutes later, he talked about how this is a team where you have to tell everyone what to do yeah. every day. That was good stuff. You so listened like, to that from him, and that was good stuff. So it's just it's just a really interesting dynamic for the offseason. It's, it's certainly unlike last season and probably unlike most seasons for him because there's always been a – well, there's always been a Martin on the line pretty much. Um, so you could rely on that to sort of get the offense in shape. And they've had some bigger defensive personalities, whether it be Joe Schmidt, Mante Teo, Jalen, Sheldon Day. Sheldon Day. There's just not – there's just not that kind of personality right now in the squad. And I think the good point about pieces, you don't know how they're going to fit, because even safety, theoretically, there's there's pieces in place there, too. You know, I mean, we don't love Tranquil on the hash, but we love everything else about him. Redfield should be a better player this year than he has been I thought Redfield past. played pretty darn yeah, well. I, I, he, was I one of my, he was one of my camp, uh, not surprises, but camp yeah. standout's the wrong word. We don't see enough. But I thought I think he's quality safe. He looks like a quality safety. The effort yeah. in and yeah. of itself yeah. Yeah. was encouraging. Right. I'm not sure that we could say that about everything that was going on in the interior uh, line, but the no. effort was good. And, you know, I'm not sure how we were, Tim and I were talking about this basically the whole game. What is going on in the line? Are they going full speed? Because my point, you brought it up, and then my point was, like, if there's no holes... And no one's penetrating. They're probably not going full speed, yeah. right? Because yeah. <laughs> that, that's just the way it is. Someone should be winning if someone's going full speed. I just seem to see a lot of guys. You know, you're in your three point. You come up. Yeah. You stand up. You make contact. Yeah, and then it. And then it. And then right. it kind of stopped. And it didn't look like it was a. You know, and a guy like Jerron Jones, who I'm thinking, yeah. and he's thinking, he's thinking, get through the game. I'm coming off two major injuries. I, I'm not going to do anything that jeopardizes that. I just need to get into the off season because look, he's got. Three and a half months, or however long now, to get a lot better, and he will. In terms of going all out, like we were saying, how you couldn't, like you personally couldn't be in an athletic event and not go all out. I, I think most of them weren't. Just if you look at the best hit of the day, was Devin Spruell lit up Brandon Wimbush, other than uh, and Daniel it, Cage it, destroyed Equinemius St. Brown. But other hurt. than that, you're not looking at guys getting drilled. That one hurt from row thirty-seven. <laughs> he yeah. that looked, and, and Cage is one of the guys that 
I don't want to hype Cage, but I think Cage is a solid, more than solid rotational nose tackle for next year as a third-year player. Yeah. They got him in there because they had to as a freshman. He missed some time last year with injury, but he was I, th- I thought he was better than Tillery last year. And I think as long as Jerron oh, yeah. Jones is your best nose tackle, I think Cage is a good backup nose tackle, and that's like the fifth most important position in football. And like, nose tackle, could, right? You could play Cage and Jones at the same time. Right. There's no reason. I think they're going to have to do that. I, I really do. Now, that doesn't exclude Tillery from the equation, and we've gone back and forth about Tillery and, you know, what he can and can't do. He's got to be in the mix. They need the body. Yeah. Um, you know, but... And he can make plays, too. He'll yeah, make plays. No, he can. Yeah, he's just yeah. he's just got to play motivated, and I don't think that he does that very often. But um, Making I think plays. they have to, because I mean, you look at the point of attack with Jones and, and, and Cage in the middle of the line, I don't yeah. know how much they're going to accomplish side to side. But they are going to hold the point of attack in the middle of the field. And that's more important than Tillery making the occasional really, play. It by really is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So the quarterback position, I don't Did we learn anything? The, I, I think the thing that I learned was that Zaire wasn't fully healthy. And Brian Kelly said, okay, now we can start the quarterback competition because the spring was about Zaire getting the ankle all the way back and understanding the offense at, at a Kaiser level, I guess. Um, because... I think throughout when spring started, it was, okay, these two guys are competing. But that wasn't really ever the perspective of the coaching staff, it didn't sound like. Now that is the perspective of the coaching staff, that these two guys are competing. Uh, you know, even Zaire said, Zaire was asked, like, ankle, is the ankle 100%? He's like, I'll be ready in the fall. So if he's not 100% and missed all of last season, there's no way he could have been even with Kaiser going in the game. And I thought that... I thought that that showed on Saturday, really. Yeah, I don't. I just still don't believe they're even unless they want to run more than pass next year. And if you're really going to tailor your... I know Brian Kelly said I've never had two quarterbacks that can do the same thing, and he's kind of right. But Kaiser is a better passer than Malik Zaire. You, more efficient, mid-range, short. Zaire is a cannon. Yeah. And I think the, the gap between Kaiser and Zaire in terms of passing ability is bigger than the gap between Zaire and Kaiser in rushing ability. I agree. I, I do think the read option would probably be more effective all around if it was Zaire. Was I agree. We're talking about identities. If they choose Zaire, we know what their identity is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but, I, but I don't see that happening. I don't either. I, yeah. I don't see that happening. And I, and I think it makes for a good soundbite, and it's good coach speak as the spring wraps up, you know, put a nice little bow on it to mm-hmm. say that, oh, you know, the, what the, what he said, that in – you know, Kaiser's now caught up, and okay, now it's a competition. I, I really, I really can't completely buy. I understand why he would say it. Sure. And if I were in his position, I'd say the same thing. My one thing with Zaire, and other than that run where he started to look like himself, thirty minutes, I had one word written down in my notes for him. Looks like a backup until until he showed that athletic ability again. When he had to stand back there and make a throw on third down on out routes, and he's just missing them. He's looked like a backup. Kelly, That's a change yeah. of pace. Guy. Brian Kelly can't live with a fifty-one percent passer. No, it's yeah. like Brian Kelly's natural state as an offensive coach is to pass the ball first, uh, and Kaiser is more wired to do that. I mean, if you, I think Tim, you wrote this or noted it. It's like if if Tef- if Stefferson makes that catch, then yeah. you're looking at Kaiser's stat right. line and be like, man, God, that's he another was four, awesome. that's another forty fifty in that. that yeah, because then he's what he's sitting there at what eleven of. What, right. and, you can, and, and then you can say Zaire needed a tremendous catch by Nelson. In that was order a nice to, throw, though. To oh, I was, no, it wasn't yeah, great. Yeah. It was right there. Yeah, he couldn't yeah. get his other hand free or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I still think that uh, can you can you use Zaire in a red zone? Can you just say, okay, we're in a red zone. We're going to try this. Do you do it some of the time? Are there situations where you can bring him in for a little change of pace? Because you're right. Absolutely. I mean, Kaiser, Kaiser showed that he's a capable runner. 
But Zaire's a different kind of runner. He's an, and I know Kaiser had the 78 yard touchdown run, what have so you. Just running in a straight line. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the, the explosive word where you suddenly take nothing and create something, that's what Zaire yeah. can do. So, I, you know, what happened to the talk about after the LSU game? Yeah, we can use two guys and the. <laughs> You know, when you have 30 days preparation, you can probably do it against Texas, but I'm not sure. I you wonder, can do it I really want to ask, I want to ask Kelly that to open August. I was thinking, what you just mentioned, is Zaire going to be used in the red zone and all that? Because I was holding on to that all offseason that they got to play them both because they're two of their 10 best players. Yep. And asking him that question in the spring was going to be totally fruitless because what's the point of asking that in the spring? <laughs> and asking him that question after he names a starter is also useless because you got to give the backup hope. So you ask him at the beginning of August, right. what is the challenge? Getting them both involved almost every game or every game because they are two of their ten best players, right? But wasn't it good to see Zaire make a great? Oh, it was great, great jab and, step cut and, and run I, when score I said he looked like a backup. Oh, J- yeah, Jay Hayes was like, ah. <laughs> when <laughs> I said he looked like a backup, look, still. he didn't look like a backup against Texas. I meant since being injured, that he just looked like he was laboring. Yeah, and, and that's. That. Yeah. I think that that's kind of what Kelly and Zaire admitted mm-hmm. after the game was like, you know, he wasn't all the way healthy, and that. That should be zero surprise because right, right. he broke his ankle in September, and you know I, I bring up the JT Barrett at Ohio State comparison a lot because they're good friends. Zaire and Barrett Barrett had the same injury in November, missed all of spring practice, and wasn't really at full strength until middle of the season. So took Zaire to be all the way back right. in April. Well, that's fair, and that's fair. Well, so it. I mean, does this team have an off uh, uh, an identity? I, I started to say offensive identity because I think they have an offensive identity. I'm not sure that the team does or the defense does. No, no, I, I don't think they have one, and and that's I think a surprise to nobody, Brian Kelly but, included. I mean, I, I you know I I look at this team and say it could kind of it could unfold a lot like last year's team. I, I still think the offense once the once the quarterbacks get in sync with uh, once the receivers get in sync with the quarterbacks which really w- wasn't the case. I think it can be a fairly similar offense, but defensively, I, we just don't know. I you know, that's a good point. I just thought about <laughs> back at Heinz Field was that November 7th last year, so that's about game 8. We were sitting around before doing the post-game <laughs> incident analysis and you're like this isn't a championship level defense. <laughs> you're exactly right. Their identity has to be it's an offensive team that scores 38 points a game, and maybe the defense can allow fewer points than last year against worse offenses. Yeah, and I get maybe, right? the, yeah, that's probably a good segue into talking to uh, something Priester wrote about sort of ranking the positions because I think we just sort of assumed that they would have all the firepower to score 35, 38 points a game. And I, the receiver tight end positions, I'm not just not sure that's the case right now. Well, I, I mean, where, how they, do you rank all that? and in terms of do do they have the material to be a, an explosive offense? Well, first of all, they come out of the spring, and who are the top? Who are the top wideouts? They are Kevin Stefferson and a and a and sophomore tight end, Tory Hunter, yeah, and Elizay Jones. Those are your top wideouts. Yes. Elizay playing the W, yes. which is a lot different than what we thought going in because Equinemius St. Brown has difficulty staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that doesn't look like a real well developed. You know, Kevin Kevin Stefferson. Uh, uh, the reason I think his legs, I said, well, his legs look long for a six-foot guy. It's because they're so skinny. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not sure that he's physically ready for all that, but he really has lived up. I think if you go back and look at a, 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 a film review on Stefferson, he caught everything when, when I watched film on him, and, and that's continued. But to, to Pete's point, I kind of went through, and not, it's not exactly position by position, but it's like, Interior offensive linemen, offensive tackles, 
in, in ter- uh, inside mm-hmm. receivers, outside receivers, and rated it 1 through 12. And right or wrong, this is what I came up with. 12 being the worst is safety. Got it. Yeah, 11, <laughs> 11 being the second worst is the two defensive tackles. 10 being the third worst are the linebackers. Now, I think the linebackers can develop because they're really, really young. But when I went, and I, a lot of times, you know, we do these stories. I think people think we go in with a preconceived notion. A lot of times I just go into a story and say, however it falls, it falls. And in this instance, the three, three of the worst areas of the 12 were on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I, I could move. I could see linebacker moving up quickly. That's the best way to say I agree. It. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely could. Um, I agree with safety. Um, I, I think Redfield had a good spring yeah, and did. a good spring game. Um, that was good. That was a real positive it to is. say. I mean, we've been saying this for more than a month. You need him to be active and engaged and your best safety. And Stutz will be a good backup safety. for him, too. Stutz would be a great yeah. early enrollee backup because they do not have a number three free safety. I mean, they don't have a choice right now. Uh, and then, you know, where does Jalen... Like, safety is it's just a big concern. Um, cor- corner is a lot... Cor- to me, corner... We're going to table that for three months. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a big concern. Corner, I think, is on the rise big time. Um, I think Cole Luke looks more and more like... Yeah, he played uh, number yeah. one. I can't believe I didn't I mean, mention him. He was the guy. They could, have, they could have two number one corners uh, in Crawford and Luke. Look how... I mean, how... Active was Crawford. He's in a green jersey. Oh, I, I know that means yeah. that you He's... can't tackle him, but it didn't stop him from tackling <laughs> others. And I love yeah. how. I mean, the great thing about him is he's five eight and a half, one whatever. And he, I mean, he sticks his nose into yeah. everything. He's, I hope he can stay healthy. But he on the list of guys who are not going full speed, you would not put Sean. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, never. And when I said that, I basically meant interior yeah, linemen, yeah, yeah. not, yeah. not whiteouts or anything like you. that. But uh, yeah, and then and then quarterback, you had number one. I think it's it's clearly number one. Um, I mean, you look at their schedule. Whether it's especially if it's Deshaun Kaiser, Notre Dame will have the best quarterback on the field in every game they play. In my wow, opinion. I hadn't looked that far ahead, but that's interesting. So if if you have that, maybe it doesn't matter as much that your receivers are developmental or your defense is giving it's up a bunch of points because you. If you have the best quarterback on the field, you have a chance to win every game. Yeah, and when I meant 38 points a game, I was thinking, you know, they're not going to... They left a lot of points in the field last year because they had an offense that could always right. drive. You just got to be efficient to score 38 points. It's yeah. not, you know, it, you, it's it's six I, good drives, seven I wrote good drives. A, yeah, I wrote a story about red zone offense. I should dust it off and, and freshen it up. But if you look at the development that Reese made from sophomore year... To senior year, because that's really year yeah. one to year two as a starter, or Golson made from sophomore year to senior, which was the same yeah. dynamic. You're basically improving. You're going from a slightly positive touchdown interception ratio to like four to one. And if that happens for Deshaun Kaiser in the red zone, maybe this offense isn't going to score 38 points, but it's it's going to cash in way more than it did last year. And you control year. games by, yes. by finishing it off like that. I don't know what you know. I don't know what Stanford average points per game last year, but they cashed in last year, and that's why they won those games. It, it, it's game specific. You, don't, you have to score forty sometimes. You have to score twenty eight sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. The last thing I want to mention this segment before we we hop into some questions. You know, I, I know a lot of people. You look at seven to seventeen to seven uh, score in a blue goal game. Think, oh, the defense has improved. 
if you think about it, I mean, we know how bad at times the defense was last year, but you're losing four NFL draft picks and free agents. The draft picks, of course, are uh, Jalen Smith, Sheldon Day, Romeo Acquire, and Kavari Russell. Kavari Russell's still going to be one. He's going to be one of the top five corners chosen in the draft. So he's going to go high, and then you have Elijah Shumate as a free agent and, and Joe Schmidt. Look at the replacements, okay? And I know it's a collective thing. It's not an individual thing. But Jerry Tiller replaces Sheldon Day. That's the biggest disparity among uh, all these well, six. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, replacing Jalen Smith. Oh, yeah. oh okay. <laughs> I know what you mean. Mentally, yeah. that's the biggest disparity. Okay, what, okay one and one A. Yeah, okay, yeah. one and one. No, no, you're right. One and two. Okay, the biggest one is, of course, I mean, right now, and this is where, you know, we in the media, when we see stories about Asmar Blau and being mentioned in the same breath as Jalen Smith, and the reality is, the reality is, he's the number three will linebacker this fall. Um, it makes you wonder a little bit. But Tavon, we don't know Tavon Coney. No, we have do we? Have, I have really no idea what Tavon his, Coney is. Big injury situation too. Right. Exactly. Okay. So that's the biggest disparity: Jalen Smith, <laughs> yeah. Tavon Coney. Second, <laughs> second is Shell. I had that at the top of the list. Yeah. Second is is Tillery and Day. Yes. Um, I think Trombetti has a lot of potential, but Romeo Quar was an eight sack guy his senior year, and Trombetti's not an eight sack guy right now. Interesting one is that Sean Crawford replaces Kavari Russell. And I think we all probably underrated Kavari Russell throughout his last year. Sure. I th- Sean I mean, Crawford's good, man. That's to me. That's probably going to be an upgrade because Kavari Russell was never healthy next yeah. year. Right. Like you weren't, you weren't, you were getting rusty and injured, Kavari Russell. Right. So it just right. it didn't happen for him. Uh, Drew Tranquil replaces Elijah Shumate. I think what you gain in in knowledge of the system, yeah, and you lose in yeah. some athleticism on the back end. Again, like you said, Tim, everybody loves Drew Tranquil and. In his game, except for playing on the hash, and then Niles Morgan replaces Joe Schmidt, which is another disparity in athletic ability. But we'll see how good Niles Morgan actually is. And it's, I think yeah. it's the same thing as Kavari Russell. You weren't you weren't getting junior year right. Joe Schmidt last yeah. year. You never saw that player. Need, again. They, they need Niles Morgan to be the Joe Schmidt of the seven and one Notre Dame team. Right? Not nothing. He he, he has to be better than last year. Joe deg- Schmidt or their deck defensively. The, we yeah. The degree yeah, of Joe be. Schmidt's physical difficulties last year. Yeah. Are so extreme, and I know the response to that is, well, then why didn't you put somebody else in? And the answer to that is, I mean, Brian Van Gorder just didn't trust anybody else other than him, regardless well, how banged um, up he was. This was a notable thing that Mike Elston mentioned that Niles Morgan actually was injured last year, uh, like around midseason game huh. seven. He he felt like he was coming along. Must have been on a kickoff. Yeah, and then I, he, then he got hurt, and then the yeah, it just it it never happened for him there. Um, so it, I mean, if that's true. Yeah. Then that would explain why he never even sniffed the field in November or the bowl game. Uh, but you're right. If Niles Morgan needs to be a lot better than the Joe Schmidt last year, and he probably needs to be as good as the Joe Schmidt from two years ago, is that within the realm of possibility yeah. based on what we saw? Yes. Yeah. Does that mean it's going to happen? Absolutely. No, but it's possible. My concern about that is what's happening in front of him with Jerry Tillery instead of Sheldon Day. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, Sheldon Day makes it a lot easier for an inside linebacker than Jerry Tillery is right at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. No question. All right. Well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We got a bunch of questions for our readers, so we'll tackle all that next. Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our burning up the boards section. Our first question comes from Irish Shem, a recruiting question and talking about the future of this uh, pass rush this season. Can Brian Kelly personally take charge of recruiting DEs? I know he was the point person with Niles Morgan. 
and this team is desperate for a difference maker or two at the position. Along those lines, do you think it's even possible for this team to tally 25 sacks this year? I think they had 26 or 25 both the last two years, right? They had 24 last season. Um, I, I don't think that Brian Kelly personally taking charge of recruiting defensive ends is is a solution. Um, the Niles Morgan reference, while I, I get why that comes to mind, you have to remember that his position coach and his area recruiter both left during the recruiting cycle, so somebody had to pick up the, up the ball it happened to be the head coach, just Diaco and Martin both left. Um, it's it's an issue. Defensive end recruiting has been an issue for Notre Dame for the last 25 years. I, I don't see that really. I, I mean, it, it has been. No, it has. It, um, I thought you were going to say five, though. No, good. 25. Um, it's, and it's, just, it's something that's not going to change, I don't think. They can get guys here or there, uh, but to could. They're, they're not going to recruit defensive end the way they recruit offensive tackle or the yeah. way they recruit tight end or the way they recruit quarterback. Um, it just has not worked for Notre Dame. Can Notre Dame get to 25 sacks? That's going to be a real challenge. Um, I mean, you've, you've totaled the, the defensive ends they've recruited are not guys who are going to go out and get you 10 sacks in a game or no, a season. No, the, the, one, the one good pass rush they've had in the last... Since I guess since Abiyamari and those guys left was of course the 2012 pass rush, 31 sacks from the front four out of 34 sacks. Yeah, I went through the uh, defensive ends recruited in the last six years, so during the Kelly era, and um, take a little check mark and let me know if you think he's a good pass rusher. Okay, when we go through this, and I and I tried to stay away from like Isaac Rochelle because he was recruited as a defensive lineman and Mm -hmm. wasn't he? These are like edge rushing guys, and one of them grew into a different position. But remember. First guy on the list, Kona Schwenke, was 215 pounds. Yeah, His first year, he was a rush a defensive end. Prince Jumbo, Justin Utupo, turned into a good backup inside guy. Mm-hmm. Stefan Tuitt, Aaron Lynch, Ishak Williams, Chase Hounchel, Anthony Rabasa, Romeo Aquara, Doug Randolph. This is unfortunate. Colin Hill, Johnny Williams, Jonathan Bonner, Grant Blankenship. Andrew Trombetti. I don't know if you want to put Jay Hayes in there because he's another one of those defensive linemen, not rush end. Mm. Uh, Bo Wallace, you could add. And then, of course, Julian Aquara, Dalen Hayes, and Ogun DG coming in this year. Yeah, game. the next group. Yep. I mean, Shebo was a good college player. Yeah, he's a good pass rusher. Uh, yeah. Tuitt was a great college player. Uh, Lynch could have been. He's a yeah. great athlete. Yeah. Um, and that's it. I mean, that, that's over the court. You got. Really, two and a half guys there. Um, Aquara became. We can a go two and three senior. quarters. Yeah. So Aquara had one really good year, uh, but was kind of anonymous for the really first three. One good half a year, right? Yeah. I mean, they all came in the second half. It all happened for him at the very end, which is what happens I when think, you're 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Dalen yeah. Hayes, obviously, if he can be healthy and, and, and right, he, he has a chance to be pretty good. And Shembo was pretty good. It was, you know, I mean, a guy that played a lot for you, but. The, the the in answer to the question are there twenty five sacks on this team? I don't think there are, especially if Jay Hayes is taking snaps away from Trombetti. I mean, Trombetti is yeah. is clearly at this stage. I, you know, I don't know about Julian O'Quara, who has a lot of pass rush skill, right. but he's young and thin and what have. That's you. why I added those three because right. they, 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 yeah. one of them was going to be involved this year. I mean, if yeah. Hayes is taking snaps away from Trombetti because Trombetti can't defend the run, which we we really haven't seen yet. He hasn't mm-hmm. had an opportunity, but he but he's not adept at that. It'll be less than twenty. And the problem with that is it's a defense predicated on pressure and big plays, and they don't create enough pressure to create those big plays. It doesn't matter how good of a ball hawk Sean Crawford is if 
you don't get any pressure because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to be a ball hawk when there's no pressure. And it's, I mean, it's hard to understand the way the the last year's defense was structured. They finished with 24 sacks, four of them were against Texas, and I believe that was Jalen Smith's only sack of the year. That's the weirdest thing about last year is that Jalen Smith didn't. He wasn't utilized as That's what yeah. I mean. No, no, so exactly. It's, like, it's strange. Where, I don't know who they're utilizing if it's going to be Morgan. It is, I think. I think that could be pretty effective. According to Elston, he, you know, he mentioned Morgan being a good pass right. rusher. Could Morgan yeah. have four or five sacks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet I bet Crawford will have two or three. Um, He's got two so three can, three can we talk ourselves <laughs> into 25? <laughs> this yeah, is a signed 25 sacks. We're talking sacks, really. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. when you're starting to talk about ILBs and corners. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're really, you're really you uh, scraping the bottom of the yeah. barrel there. So, point taken. No, they, I mean they don't. It, Probably it doesn't. Not. You got to win another sure. way. I mean, you know, it's... you say you can do it with scheme. Well, have they done it with scheme up to this point with this coordinator? They haven't. And that was so. my point on 2012. It was, it was a four man rush. There wasn't any scheme needed. It was four guys went after the quarterback. Four, four NFL players. Yes, they did. <laughs> Just throw them out there and see what happens. Question from Helmet 622: Are Stefferson and Stud still actually ready to contribute, or is it more of a case of low numbers? And low expectations. Both look good Saturday and throughout spring. I mean, as is the these kind of questions, the answer is always both. Yeah. And in this instance, the answer is both. But it is it's interesting to look at from the standpoint of let's say Studsill and Severson weren't early enrollees, so they weren't part of the the roster. Notre Dame would have had four healthy scholarship receivers on Saturday, uh, and their free safeties would have been Max Redfield and Nico Fertitta. I mean, they. They really needed those guys part of the roster, even if it's just in a second-team role. And, and then St. Those Ron are got critical. St. Brown got hurt during the, during the Blue Goal game. Yeah. Like they so come back in. They would, yeah. No, I, you're absolutely right, Pete. I mean, they, they were huge. And, and I think they're legit. I mean, I, I, I think Stefferson, yeah. as we mentioned earlier, I mean, he's got to get a lot stronger, but he catches the ball great. And Stud still, they're not just going to throw Stud still in there with the first unit just for the hell of it or just to light a fire under uh you asked that or that question was asked of brian van gordon it was yeah. and he yeah in his in his uh, typical measured tones he he said it was not uh um uh, to light a fire under max redfield whatever the case stud still is a pretty good player with a good future and stefferson you know I mean, in, in other years or typical years, you'd say, you know, he needs to get stronger. You want to redshirt him. There's absolutely, I don't think there's any way they are no in a position way. to do that. Yeah. Um, no. He ha- no, he has to play. He catches the ball too well. Equinemius St. Brown needs to get a lot stronger, too. I don't know if that's what the cause of the shoulder injuries are, but... He's got to stay on the field. I give the kid credit. He came back in the game. He yeah, was already hurt. Blue goal game. That's, that's yeah. Just shows he, something. He, he yeah. came back in, and he was he is a freshman, of course, right. still. But yep. and you better do that. You hope a freshman I would. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I was going to ask another if, freshman. Wouldn't I was going to yes. I was going to ask of another player, but I've already beat on him too much this this spring. But um, no, it's a good sign. They're good ball players. They're going to play. Yeah, but I think um, they'll be better in 2017 and 16 too. I mean, this is a question about next year. All these questions are always about next year. Mm-hmm. And to be blunt, those two will be much better players if they're backups all year long and they get their chance to compete for starting roles next year. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both going to play a bunch. Stefferson, 20 catches. That's, I think, definitely within the realm of possibility for him based on what that position is right now. All right, next question is up from UND63. Looking at the nice catch Justin Brent made coming back for the ball and catching it with his hands and considering how big and athletic he is, could he play in the slot? Seems like a lot of talent to sit on the bench. 
I, I mean, I think we all liked him better as a wide receiver prospect than a running back prospect for this team. I did. Yeah, yes. and they eked up beating out one of the three guys in front of a running back. So if something goes wrong in the spring, you give. I mean, I would give. I don't. I think the ship has sailed. But the one good thing I can say about Brent is he redshirted last year. If they were truly facilitating getting him out of there, he'd have played for one play at one point. They'd have been running there and yeah. making mm, this tackle. Because yeah, they do that to people, you know, and they didn't yeah. do it to Justin Brent. This is what always happens with the blue goal game. You know, a running back runs through a hole that every running back in the country would have gotten through. And, and you know, and then suddenly he be, he's in the consciousness of everybody. And I, It was I mean, a nice you, catch. That was no, nice it catch. Was, no yeah. it was a good catch. And UN, UND 63 is justified in asking the question. I understand that. But the fact of the matter is he's fourth team. At running back, uh, and, and I agree that ship is sailed. I, th- I thought receiver also was uh, ultimately his best position. And I, I again, I, I mean, I literally saw him line up wrong more than I saw him make a big play this spring. And we didn't get a, get a chance to see, you know, where the coaches are yelling and his teammates are yelling at yeah, him because yeah. he's aligned wrong. Um, he doesn't know the playbook well enough to get on the field on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, it's hard, yeah, it's hard to understand what's happening there. I mean, just the running back position last year, if you can't get on the field in a year where your starter goes down with the ACL in the game one, you're relying on a converted receiver and then two freshmen, and you're still behind those guys. Wow. Way behind them last what, year. I, I don't yeah. know how that's going to change now. I mean, they have, like I said, they, they have as many healthy uh running backs as they do receivers right now. You would think Brent would they play three receivers and only one running back. Well, and we listed running back as the number two area on the team, and I don't even think that Brent's name was mentioned. I mean, that had nothing to do with the analysis of them being number two on the team. So, No question. All right, KMO 2111. Every year we seem to get a surprise defector from the football team in the period between spring and summer as the depth chart begins to take shape, and some guys are in and others are out. Can you predict one possible transfer from offense and one from defense? Keep up the good work, fellas. <laughs> Put a shine on that, that question. question Thanks, guys. That's how the question got in, yeah. right? There's, that's right. Yeah. Ah, the inflammatory question. Yeah. Like tackle it. Well, defense, there's a possibility we didn't mention yet. Yeah, it's yeah. not. A, it, the question was surprised effector. I'm not sure that Grant Blankenship at oh, this right. stage would be would be a surprise. That's who you're going to say. Yeah, right? you're right. Yeah. I forgot the surprise part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would not be a surprise. Um I don't know. I, we were always we were, we're always not really inclined to just throw out names <laughs> yeah. and firebomb people. I agree that somebody will transfer. Yeah. So but, well, how's I mean, that? I mean, we were throwing out names from the incoming freshman yeah. class already, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's worth noting Grant Blankenship's his suspension. He's been kind of on the rocks a little bit with the coaching staff for more than a year. Um, you know, will Corey Robinson play or not play? We don't know. He was at the spring game on Saturday. Still has the decision to make there, which certainly means it's possible that he won't play. Um, you know, we were speculating about Corey Holmes a, a few months ago yeah, until yeah, he emerged yeah. Yeah, at, at the now. slot. He's, so, I mean, obviously things can yeah. change. The conversation I had with him, too, uh, that is not – we were wrong. Like, he hung in there. He talked to his dad all the time last year is, yeah. to pick his game. Yeah, he, he just felt like, him. I can't – these these freshmen have passed me. What am I supposed to do? And his dad's like, you're supposed to get better. Yeah. And, so that, that, and then he knew, I guess, he was redshirting, obviously, well before everybody else did. Because mm-hmm. we didn't ask about Corey Holmes last year. He yeah. was a whole year redshirt. That's refreshing yeah. to hear in this yeah. day and age of it's the coach's fault. Right. No, he did not at all. He said he was frustrated, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it's like, I think if this question was asked last year, we would have been talking about Corey Holmes and Jay Hayes. Yeah, and, now, right. and now they both might be starting. 
um, after not playing next year. So, so what do we do? Right. <laughs> Just pass this over and move into recruiting. So I guess that's a that's a surprise wrap for segment two on Irish Illustrated Insider. There, <laughs> and we'll come back and talk recruiting, uh, new commitment, some blue and gold game visit updates after this. Segment three of Irish Illustrated Insider, wrapping up this edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, is a recruiting roundup, and we start with the verbal commitment of wide receiver Isaiah Robertson, a big, lanky kid from Illinois. Pete, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, they like him at safety out of the gate, um, so I, I like him more at a safety position than I do at receiver because they, they don't have that body type enough. You know, They don't have enough 6'3", 190 mm-hmm. safeties, so... Um, you know, he's a four-star pretty much across the board. His offer list doesn't really back that up if you're one of the people that said, well, if you're a four-star, then you must have offers from Michigan and Ohio State. Um, to be that way, it's you know more of a, a lower-level Big Ten. But Notre Dame liked him. They knew a lot about him. This is a kid who's close friends with uh, Julian Love, the incoming, incoming corner. Um, so there's a connection there. Pretty much as soon as Notre Dame offered him at the beginning of April, this one was over. Um, he came out with a, a top six, but it was like Penn State, Wisconsin, Vanderbilt, Illinois. He had only visited half of them. Um, and I think Notre Dame was just like, hey, look, we, we're not going to take a whole lot of safeties this class. We've got a bunch on the board. Okay, let's take come, this come long on. safety. Uh, so, and so Robertson was like, I should probably take that spot now. Yeah, um, yeah I, you know, he's he. He has some, I, I think he has pretty good instincts at safety. I think he breaks on the football really, really well. Um, I guess the image I can't get out of my head is watching Spencer Perry at that position this spring. And, 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 and Spencer Perry looks to us more like a Sam linebacker right. than a safety. And I kind of see that a little bit with Robertson, too. Um, but he's long. I, you know, I, I think he's very aggressive defensively. Obviously, he can do some things offensively at wide receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up at wide receiver. Uh, I wasn't really aware of, of exactly where Notre Dame was pursuing him. He's a good athlete. I don't know that he's a he's not a four four athlete, but he does have some length and some versatility. Notre Dame's got some good young wide receivers. Yeah, That's they do. In the way, you know, with. Figures. With Claypool and McKinley coming in, Jefferson, yeah. St. Brown, Holmes has three years. Sanders, that's a that's a deep group. Yeah, no okay. question. Um, you know they had a bunch of blue gold game visitors. Josh Kando was the biggest one by far. There's some rumors out there that he might make a decision this week. Penn State, Maryland, Notre Dame. Um, I'm not sure how what what kind of a feel Notre Dame got on him. Um, Passed you know, the eye test when we yeah, saw him the other Yes, day. he aced the eye test. So, I mean, this is um, getting back to one of the questions about defensive end recruiting. This is this would be a major, major exception to the rule of more developmental guys. This is more of your Stefan Tuitt, Aaron Lynch type of Victor Abiyamiri type of physique coming in. Um, you know, IMG Academy kid. Notre Dame's recruited a little bit down there. Spencer Perry, they walked into the stadium on Friday morning before practice. Um, Tony Jones coming in there as well, so there's some familiarity there. Uh, his head coach is, used to be the head coach at Carmel High School outside Indianapolis, so there's some connections there. You know, it's this would be a huge, huge get. It would change the dynamics. Basically, it would be like 
you'd have just replaced Robert Beal in the class. That's right. that's basically what it would be well, like. It would be nice to have both. But, yeah. uh, I mean, he's a legit. We saw him the other day uh, walking into the stadium. Oh. He's a legit 6'5", yeah. 6'6". Six, yes. six, six. Um, and 27 years old. Yeah, yeah he did look like 27 <laughs> years old. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that that would be that'd be a huge gift. As we uh, as we wrap up here, Pete, and we'll be coming back in what two weeks on May second, uh, recapping the the uh, the NFL draft. What what else should we know about recruiting as we move forward here? You know, in the four spring? four new offers over the weekend. Um, you know, most in the twenty eighteen class and the seventeen class. Uh, Hezekiah Jones, a receiver from Texas, who's committed to Baylor, picked up an offer. He's a pretty interesting guy. Um, you know, and they have a bunch of guys visiting today, including a 2019 quarterback who they've already offered, JT Daniels, from Modern Day High School. What is he, 12? Yeah. <laughs> just finished up his freshman year. So, Modern Day, we all know Modern Day. It's pretty much a powerhouse. Threw for 30 touchdowns as a true freshman on the varsity. Whoa. Um, so, wow. yeah, Notre Dame has already offered this kid. He's talked to Joe Schmidt already. He'll be on campus today with a bunch of other guys. From a 7-on-7 team from Southern California that also visited last year, and last year it included Javon McKinley and DJ Morgan. So could be an interesting development there. A couple other top rising seniors that visited over the weekend, Jalen Kelly-Powell and Donovan Peoples-Jones, both from the Detroit area. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, one of the top receivers in the country um, in the 2017 class, and Jalen Kelly-Powell, who's more of a DB safety type um, would be a perfect fit for Notre Dame personality-wise, athletically. Um, probably would be higher rated, in my opinion, than than Robertson and all the other safeties that they signed last year. So this is this would be a big-time prospect. So spring evaluation period underway now. Uh, coaches are back out on the road, pretty much starting today, I believe. But um, Notre Dame will kind of be pounding the pavement for the next four weeks. Uh, but with 10 guys already committed in the class, they're, they're basically halfway there. So Notre Dame recruiting in a pretty good spot. They're ranked third on scout, fourth on rivals, fourth on 24-7. So like, as much as people have sort of complain about recruiting, missing a guy here or there, overall the big picture, they're in pretty good shape. When do these coaches sleep? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Late July. Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> they really, it is. July is that. July, can you imagine how they point to that and their families yeah. point to that? I, I can't even imagine the families get a get a the other eleven men mm-hmm. get much of a chance to spend time with yeah. them. But uh, all right, well that's it for Irish Illustrated Insider. As Tim O'Pines on <laughs> coaching lifestyles, uh, we'll, we'll be back on May second to recap the NFL draft. I'm sure there'll be some recruiting developments from here and there. There's always some summer roster moves too. So we'll be back May 2nd. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider.